Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining the Hospital ISM Report on Business Teleconference. I'm Rosemary Capil, and we will begin shortly. I'm joined this morning by Christina Cahill. Christina, are you able to hear me okay? Hi, Rosemary. Yes, you sound good. Wonderful. Thank you, Christina. Um, and Nancy, have you joined us this morning? Yes, I have. Good morning. All right. Well, um, we do have a few announcements before we get started this morning. Today's overview is going to uh, be presented by Nancy LeMaster, Chair of the Hospital ISM Business Survey Committee. As a reminder, our call today is being recorded, and this is a live teleconference, so we do ask that everyone please mute your line until the end of the call to prevent background noise. And the next hospital PMI release of the November data will be released on Thursday, December 7th at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. And I would like to thank everyone for joining the Institute for Supply Management today for the release of the Hospital ISM Report on Business. Are there any reporters on the line today that know they're going to have a question for Nancy? Wonderful. Thank you, Paul. Anyone else on the line that knows uh, they will have a question uh, for Nancy? We just had one late joiner. Rosemary, you might want to ask again. Okay. Um, do we have any reporters on the line this morning that know they are going to have a, a question for Nancy? Wonderful. Thank you so much, Dan. Um, so sounds good. Well, if there's any others, uh, any reporters that are on the line that know they'll have a question at the end, we will open up the line um, at the end of the call once Nancy um, completes her overview of this month. So you will have a chance uh, to ask questions then. It does look like everyone has joined us. So I will now turn the call over to Nancy LeMaster, Chair of the Hospital ISM Business Survey Committee. Um, please, Nancy, go ahead with this month's overview. Thank you so much, Rosemary. Well, the PMI came in at 52.1 um, during the month of October, so it's still in the growth territory, although it did grow slower than in September where we were at 57. Business activity, likewise, growing at 52.5, but also down from 61.5. New orders followed that trend, coming in at 55, down from 61. Uh, 0.5, and backlog of that orders actually went into contracting at 48, down from 51.5. So um, while you can see that the PMI stayed in the growth range, pretty much in general, related to September, there was a softening in the volume uh, numbers that we saw in October. Now, looking at the comments, from the panelists and talking with, with other folks that I know in industry, um, none of that seemed concerning or really stood out to them. They, they characterized the month as more stable. Um, so again, relatively speaking, not as high a growth, as high a volume as in September, but still definitely in the growth range. Uh, we did see a big contraction in employment, and we moved down to 48 from 54.5, and several of the comments um, echoed the fact that uh, skilled labor is continues to be hard to find, um, and that low skilled labor is very expensive. 
um, in talking with some of my colleagues, um, margin pressure is very intense as it has been um, on the hospitals, and so hiring is being done very carefully. Um, so I think that some of the pullback is intentional as they try and manage the labor cost, but um, there really is no kind of end in sight that I can see relative to the challenges of, of ongoing uh, labor shortages. We've talked before about efforts, outreach efforts, um, efforts to encourage people to go into the healthcare professions, uh, a lot of encouragement from for workers that are in maybe some of the more lower skilled jobs to retrain for higher skilled jobs. I was just reading an article in the um, St. Louis Business Journal kind of echoing this ongoing labor challenge because of the demographics um, that are out there. And so we'll have to continually watch that and look for more creative strategies to deal with the employment. The employment can then constrain capacity. So it's a little hard to know if our volume, you know, being a little bit softer in October, still growth, a little softer, um, if any of that was due to the fact that there were some staffing shortages which will reduce the number of beds, as we call it, staffed beds, or outpatient treatment slots. Um, that wasn't brought up in the comments, so I don't know if that's a factor, but it's something we're, we're always watching. So volume overall in growth, a little softer than the month before. Nobody seems particularly concerned about that at this point. So let's look at what's going on at supply in the supply chain side. Um, so supplier deliveries were slowing at 53, and they were slowing faster than the prior month. Inventories were contracting faster at 45 versus 43, and inventory sentiment is that they're too high, but it was 53 versus 57.5, which might indicate, you know, we're starting to get close to that, that point where you would see your inventory at about the the perfect balance down around 50. Um, so the comments around this were really very mixed. Um, you know, it was kind of almost a 50-50 split between people who felt like, um, I don't think they felt as much deliveries were slow as they were being impacted by some product shortages and sub product substitutions, with others that really said on the whole and looking more in the big picture, um, the supply chain tends to be improving, that fulfillment is, is definitely higher, outstocks are lower. Um, so, you know, again, we've talked about the fact that sometimes that the, the perception of um, what the overall status of the supply chain is can be, um, can be really skewed a little bit by if there's an immediate crisis that you're going through. And there have been um, an ongoing problem with uh, sterilization. So the ster um, products are packaged by the manufacturers, and those that are, are considered sterile that are going into a procedure room, operating room, et cetera, they go through a sterilization process after the fact. The companies that do those, that sterilization process have been having issues, um, some of it because some of the sterilization is ethylene oxide and the government has come out and said that you know at certain levels that can be a, a cancer causing um, um, substance 
Um, and there's, you know, switching going on. There's having to be uh, more protective equipment for the employees, that kind of thing. So that whole secondary sterilization market was brought up in the comments, and I have heard that elsewhere, um, that that has slowed things slowed things down because it takes longer for products to get through that process. So overall, you know, I think that the supply chain is certainly better than uh, what we've seen in the past. It seems more stable. We'll see if um, the deliveries go back up into the uh, faster range from slowing. You saw that in the other industry, the manufacturing and services reports. So we'll see if that comes back. Um, we talked already about hospital margins being un under a lot of pressure, so we go right to um, looking at the pricing and the pricing of pharmaceuticals and supplies. Now, in both cases, they're still increasing. Um, pharmaceuticals have increased every month since we started collecting data, and that was 67 months ago. But the thing that did stand out to me was the number was 52, down 8 from September. So I went back and looked at the great history that ISM keeps for me and for us and found that that's actually the lowest number um, ever that they've had for pharmaceuticals. Pharmaceuticals, as I said, have never gone into the contracting range. Um, so it would be fantastic if, if we could keep going at that level and maybe at least seeing these increases um, slow down. Likewise, the uh, supply prices at 58 down from 66.5, um, that is the lowest number we've had since December of 2019, which was right before, uh, or, or, I'm sorry, right after. In November of 2019, we actually had a contraction of, uh, or decrease, I mean, in supply prices, but only for one month. In December of 2019, it was 51. So those numbers are, are relatively speaking, compared to our past history, good. Um, they're just kind of not good enough, I would say. Um, so in talking with um, colleagues around the country, um, a, a lot of pressure back on to what can we do to reduce supply cost, and they're trying to balance that with the whole issue of resiliency and what we learned during COVID when, in many cases, hospitals have become too reliant on a single supplier when they couldn't supply, they didn't have backup options. So there's a lot of, of balance um, and thinking through that the way we're going to lower cost is not necessarily going to be by consolidating volume with a sole, sole source, but rather putting more focus on utilization of the product. Are we using the product correctly? Are we, are we using it you know, with no waste involved? things like that. So that's a lot of the focus going on out there. Um, case mix index bounced back up to 51.5. I would expect that after we had a really strong September. It's a lagging indicator, so that, that makes sense. Days payable outstanding continue to bounce around uh, back up to 51.5. They had been contracting at 46.5 the previous month. Technology spend continued to grow, 55.5 up from 51. So when we talked last time, I, um, I uh, talked about the fact I was going to be at a conference and was going to try and get some additional insight into technology spend. And 
you know, what I heard was that technology spend, uh, I guess, confirming conversations we've had that it is more around IT infrastructure and uh, equipment. So a lot of focus on robotic equipment in the OR, um, expansion of outpatient type facilities, imaging, cancer treatment, diagnostics, so you might be investing in linear accelerators, et cetera, trying to get treatments closer to the patient population. It's a competitive area for systems trying to improve their revenue. So that kind of investment versus building more hospitals, building more beds, that's, I don't know if that will ever come back as we've seen the continual shift to outpatient. I think you'll continually see renovations and that kind of thing, but uh, totally new facilities, I think, will become rarer and rarer. And then types of sorters. I should have talked about that earlier when I talked about inventories and supplier delivery. So um, that did bounce or continue in growth range. No, bounced back from contracting. 51.5 versus 49. So um, again, we've talked about the fact that when supplier deliveries are faster um, or doing well, in this case, they're slowing, but but they're still near that 50, uh, 50 number, 53, that trickles down then into the touchless orders where we are seeing fewer substitutes, fewer manual interventions. Um, and so we will see if that becomes a trend or if that was a one-month spike. But based on the comments, it seems like people feel like the supply chain is, is continuing to become more stable. So we should potentially see that continue um, in the growing range. So overall, we had decent volume. We were in the growth range. We were softer than September, but still decent numbers. Um, the employment number is potentially uh, constraining capacity. We don't know that for sure, but we know it's a contributor. Some of the employment softness is intentional as hospitals struggle with margins, but a lot of it is finding the right skill set um, out there. And then for supplier deliveries, yes, they're still slowing for two months, but they haven't, um, you know, skyrocketed up. They're right at 53. We'll keep an eye on that. Inventories are, are contracting, but they still feel overall they're too high. But again, we're getting closer to that 50% line. Um, and then pricing relatively speaking was a good news this month in that the growth rate was slower and we could hope that that will continue in that direction to give a little bit of relief to the hospitals on the margin uh, issue. So I'm going to take a big breath and then turn it over to Dan for a question. Hey Nancy, good morning. Um, I know you talked a lot a lot about conditions stabilizing this month, but I mean, given the last few months, I mean, the the PMI went into contraction a couple of times unexpectedly, and then last month there was a you know a, a big boost in a lot of the sub indexes that factor into the PMI, and then this month, I mean, there was still growth, but I mean, it's slowed uh -huh. significantly. I mean, is there is can you draw any comparisons? I mean, the last few months has it been something that maybe you haven't seen in a while as it relates to the entire um, hospital subsector, um, and is it still kind of volatile or unpredictable in a way? 
Um, the pandemic created a lot of panic buying, and we, you know, bought and bought and created a backlog that wasn't really real, and now we're, you know, we may be suffering some of the consequences of that. And, you know, I've asked some people, you know, I, I, you know, I think the pandemic has kind of created some new conditions and some new rules that economists and people in business are, you know, probably haven't wrapped their, ar- wrapped their arms around and, and, and figured out, and things may be, you know, completely different going forward. And I would imagine that that dynamic is especially, um, you know, uh, prevalent in the healthcare sector and, sector and for hospitals. I mean, um, you know, is, is that possibly a potentially a dynamic that, you know, we're dealing with things from the pandemic, that there are some new rules that, you know, we haven't fully processed and, you know, may have to reevaluate. Yeah. No, I think that that's a very good point. And I think that, you know, the challenge with all of these is they, they stir really good debate, which is the absolute positive about it, thinking different angles. But, you know, we kind of tend to try and get that one simple solution or explanation. And it, it really is a combination of factors. While you were talking, then that made me also think about insurance companies. You know, insurance companies have now gotten very aggressive about um, uh, hip and knee replacements and any kind of orthopedic surgery, where in many cases they, they absolutely require X amount of physical therapy before they'll approve surgery. You know, before you went to the doctor, he said, oh, yeah, yeah, you need to have that knee scoped, no big deal. Now it's like, well, first you have to do therapy, and then you have to try injections, and then, you know, you have to go through multiple steps before you can do that procedure. So how much is that changing the underlying demand where we're now learning, "Mm, maybe at some point we were maybe too aggressive in treating some of these things and surgery really isn't required. Maybe physical therapy will fix the problem. So, again, that, that's another thing that's going to impact what's your pool of demand. Um, and, and these things are kind of all hitting at about the same time, so it's very hard to tease out how much is economic, how much is protocol changes, you know, how much is a healthier population. Um, I think we can rule that one out. We're not a healthier population. But you know what I'm saying. People are, are um, maybe taking a bit better care of themselves. I don't know. They're all factors, um, and I think that one of the benefits of the ISM report is it gets these discussions going, and, and we are on the leading edge of kind of looking at that. Even if we kind of shake our heads and say, I'm not sure the cause, it's definitely showing up in the numbers that, you know, demand isn't as strong as it was before the pandemic. Um. I wanted to ask you about employment. I know you touched on it a lot, especially when you said, you know, you felt that there was no end in sight, but um, in, in regards to some of the challenges. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you in specific, and it's probably going to be based more on anecdotal and the people that you talk to than our data, but um, do you sense that there's a, a power shift, for lack of a better term? Um, I know we had the Kaiser Permanente strike for a, a while, and I know the UAW strike, I mean, they're... Uh, you know, I think they're very happy with how it turned out. Um, you know, do you sense that, you know, a, that there's going to be, you know, more union activity and labor concern and a power shift, or at the very least, you know, um, you know a skilled employee is going to say, look, I have options and I have skills, and if you want to keep me around, you're going to have to pay me. 
Um, you know, is, is there any concern among the people that you talk to that, you know, like you said, that this may be a challenge um, that could persist for a little while? Oh, I absolutely, uh, Dan. I think it's it's a big concern for a lot of people, and and part of what makes it so challenging is, you know, it's sort of one thing to look at an industry and say, you know, they're making significant margins and they're not, in essence, sharing those with the employees. Let's look at the automakers, right? Um, but it's a whole other world when you look at a hospital that is making anywhere from negative to three or four percent margins. So, you know, that's part of the big worry is I, not we're saying you're not worth more money, but where does the money come from? At the same time, you have, um, you know, uh, employers crying out about the high cost of health care, right? It's out there all the time. So I, I think it makes the problem uh, very difficult because it's, it's not a matter of, and I'm speaking very generally, of course, there are individual incidents where you have very, very profitable systems, and um, but for the most part, it's, it, again, how does that impact margins and trying to keep them afloat, and that's why there's a lot of pressure on, are there ways to find labor substitutions, um, and again, that's a very hard thing to do in healthcare. It's a very hands-on business. So um, that's kind of what leads me to this is going to be a challenge, and there's not a silver bullet out there. It's going to be a whole lot of different strategies. Great. Thank you. Paul, do you have a question? Yes. Thank you, Nancy. Uh, you know, there didn't seem to be much comments by the respondents this month on flu, COVID-19, RSV, or other vaccine availability. Is the correct interpretation of that that supply concerns have eased a bit, or are they, or is it that they're distracted or you know focusing on more important matters, so-called? You know, I'd have to agree with you, Paul. I mean, um, you know, when I was at the meeting, I mean, absolutely nothing came up about that. Um, there wasn't a sense that they were having vaccine shortages. It, it, there may be some intermittent, and I could argue that the pharmacies deal with drug shortages every single day, and so they're kind of used to shifting and doing different things, but it isn't something I've heard about. It is early for a normal, last year was not normal, um, kind of flu season, so we're still not hearing of it, it making it to the hospital kind of level of demand. So I guess in some ways, it, it, yeah, silence is that there's either bigger issues out there. You know, I hear more about uh, IV fluids and tubing shortages than any kind of, anything to do with vaccine shortages. So we'll cross our fingers that people are getting their shots and they won't end up in the hospital this winter. But sorry, that's, I can do some research for you if you want, um, but nobody is, seems concerned on that issue. That's good news. Yeah, it is good news. Any other questions? Okay, Rosemary, I'll turn it back to you. Uh, 
All right. Well, thank you, Nancy. That was a really, really great overview. And um, thank you, everybody, for joining us. And I hope everybody has a wonderful um, rest of your November and Thanksgiving. And we'll talk to everybody again next month. Thank you.